You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. I'm often asked, and have been for many years, as to whether what I talk about in these podcasts, what I teach in my workshops, what I go through from a scientific and psychological perspective in my online program, The Psychology of Success, whether it is the law of attraction that I'm actually talking about. And in a way, it is, but only in a way. And what I mean by that is that most people don't understand what the law of attraction actually is. In fact, even christening it the law of attraction gives it a bad vibe as far as I'm concerned. Because people have generally, as a result of the way the law of attraction has been promoted over the years, people have generally got the wrong end of the stick. They misunderstand what is fundamentally a principle of how the universe actually works. Now, even my using those words, how the universe actually works, will put some people off or will confirm to others that, oh, yeah, that's what he's talking about, the law of attraction, like what I read in the book, The Secret, or like what I heard on so many podcasts about how you can simply get what you want by setting your mind to it. Now, even as I say that, you will have heard me as recently as in last week's episode, talking about setting your mind. But there are ways, psychologically and neuroscientifically proven ways, as to how we can set our mind. But setting our mind is like setting off on an adventure. It isn't the adventure itself, and it isn't what you experience on the adventure, and it isn't the outcomes that you achieve on the adventure. Setting your mind is like setting the course for the journey ahead. Now, the minute I say that, people will say to me, oh, so you're talking about having a plan. No, not talking about having a plan. I'm talking about setting your coordinates for your destination or your preferred destination or your goal or your objective or your outcome or your purpose. All these words are interchangeable, but unfortunately, all those words being just words, can often cloud what is essentially, as I said, a scientifically valid proposition, a scientifically proven proposition, and more importantly, a proposition that is proven in terms of people's outcomes and results with whom I've worked over the last 27 years, 27 years plus at this stage. I recollect having a conversation with a client, uh, an owner of the online program who lives on Vancouver Island, saying to me that if I'm not talking about a plan, surely what I am talking about is akin to a ship leaving port to go out onto the open seas. And the captain of the ship says to the first mate, full steam ahead. And the first mate says, where are we going? And the captain says, I don't know because I don't have a plan. I haven't charted my course. 
Now, you will have gathered from last week's podcast and indeed from many episodes that I've recorded over the last couple of years that what we need to do is set our coordinates where we want to arrive rather than chart our course. We talked last week about how plans never get implemented in the way in which they were planned. They couldn't because nows are all new from one now to the next and things keep shifting and moving all of the time and opportunities and synchronicities that our thinking mind that would have thought out the plan, figured out the plan, if you like, our thinking mind could never have anticipated synchronicities and opportunities that arise as a matter of course for somebody who is attractive. Now, there's the key word. Because the law of attraction, as it has been promulgated, is more or less along the lines, oh, set your mind to something and it'll just happen for you. Now, immediately, immediately, some of you will say to me, but you used that phrase last week. I repeated what many people have said to me over the years. Oh, I just achieved my goal and it feels like it just happened. I didn't say it just happens. I said what people say is that it feels like it just happened, but you and I know that nothing just happens in life. What happens to us, or more importantly, what happens for us in life, because even things that we think have happened to us ultimately have happened for us in leading ourselves forward on the adventure of life if we are that way minded. What I mean by that is, obviously, if I have set my mind or given my doing mind the coordinates of the outcome that I want to achieve, rather than thinking through in my thinking mind the course that I have to take. Again, we talked about that last week when I talked about a business client saying, I'm at A, I want to get to H, I have to go through B, C, D, E, F, and G. No, only the thinking mind thinks that way, and the thinking mind will always not just think that way, but get in your way and reconfirm to you that you were never going to get to H in the first place. That's the sad and inevitable outcome of using our minds normally. It is sad because you're missing your life pass before your very eyes. And it is inevitable because when we use our minds normally, our minds always play the same old cracked records that we learned when we were young and impressionable. So we'll always end up behaving or misbehaving in the same way. So we'll always end up with the same undesirable outcomes rather than what we would love to achieve in our lives. So how do we achieve what we would love to achieve? Or indeed, do we even know what we would love to achieve? Now, let's park that question for a minute and go back to the simpler one in many ways. How do I set my mind to achieve what I would love to achieve? We've talked about this on a number of occasions before. Setting your mind is done through handwriting about what you want as if you already have it. Now, I know immediately again, people say, oh, but that sounds like the law of attraction. That sounds like, you know, what is suggested in the book, The Secret, that if you want riches, you get out your checkbook, you write a check for $30 million to yourself, you stick it on the fridge with a fridge magnet, and lo and behold, $30 million arrives in the door. 
Now, I'm ever so slightly paraphrasing what's in the book. I'm being ever so slightly facetious as well. But basically, that is how many people think the law of attraction works as a result, as I said earlier on, of the way in which it has been promoted. Uh, very often, sadly, as a means for making money for the people who were promoting it in the first place. It needs to be said. Now, again, people will say to me, but hold on, aren't you making money out of talking this way? Well, first of all, as you know, I have 800 and something free videos and weekly tips that go out every Thursday. I'm on Facebook Live regularly. This podcast is actually free. Small number of people with whom I come into contact pay me for what I do by becoming owners of the online program, The Psychology of Success, because it's not about the law of attraction or the law of attraction as you know it. It is what it says on the tin, the psychology of success. It could be equally called the neuroscience of success. It's all based in science. It is all proven, and it is proven again and again and again by the outcomes that my program owners achieve. So, when I say set your mind and you set your mind by handwriting what you want as if you already have it, what I am saying is that that actually does things to the subcortical brain, the animal brain, what I would call the doing brain, the part of our brain that just does what it needs to do to enable you achieve that to which you have set your mind. Now, the brain works that way anyway, and I labor the point because people don't listen to me half the time. The brain has always worked that way throughout evolution. The doing brain left to its own devices will always get you out of a hole if you find yourself in a life-threatening situation. That's the way it was built in the first place. And it will always enable you, listen to me, just do just what you need to do with the least possible effort to achieve just what you want to achieve. So bearing that in mind and bearing in mind the fact that what we wanted to achieve most in evolutionary times was our own survival. So the brain was originally wired that way. But listen to what I just said. Bearing that in mind, the doing brain will enable you go and do just what you need to do, just in the right way, just at the right time to achieve exactly that to which you have set it. And that is why the phrase setting your mind is so important. And that is why the science behind setting your mind is so important. But as I said a few minutes ago, and I will come back to it again, setting your mind's the start of the journey. It's not the journey itself. It's not the adventure. It is just, if you like, setting the coordinates that I mentioned a few minutes ago. It's like giving a heat-seeking missile the target's coordinates. That's what setting your mind is. The doing mind free of your thinking mind that we talked about putting in neutral last week, will then go do and enable you hit that target as long as you enable it, go do. As long as you, first of all, put your thinking mind in neutral in the way in which we talked about that last week. The science behind setting your mind is extraordinary. When we handwrite about what we want as if we already have it in the present tense. First of all, the act of handwriting demands more than a normal amount of everyday attention. And that means that the act of handwriting, the hand-eye coordination involved in handwriting, 
turns on the brain's attentional spotlight. And that enables, if it's done right, the brain take a new psychological snapshot. What I mean by done right is that we have to tickle the brain in the right places. We have to ensure that ultimately the subcortical brain, the animal brain, the doing brain, the brain's hippocampus in the subcortical brain gets the picture. Or, in cognitive psychological terms, takes a new and novel psychological snapshot. That's done, most importantly, by handwriting how it feels to have arrived. That's the phrase that I used at the end of last week's podcast. And it is a, just about the best way I can put the euphoric feeling of joy when people suddenly realize that what they truly wanted has just happened, or it feels like it just happened. Now, if you go back to what I said a few minutes ago in relation to how the doing brain just does, that is the ball that setting your mind starts rolling. As I said, it's the start of the journey. When we set our minds by handwriting how it feels to be experiencing the achievement that we would love to achieve without being specific about the achievement and certainly without ever getting involved in how we got there because that's thinking mind stuff or when we got there that's thinking mind stuff too this is a present tense snapshot that we give our brain's hippocampus and when we handwrite it not only does the act of handwriting turn on the brain's attentional spotlight the act of handwriting enables the hippocampus becomes so immersed in what we're handwriting about that it becomes activated as if it is experiencing it for real. That's what neuroscience now tells us. So it now has a psychological snapshot that sits alongside all the psychological snapshots that we took when we were young and impressionable, the ones that hold us back. People often say to me, but hold on, I've only one new psychological snapshot, the one that I've just written, and there are hundreds or thousands of psychological snapshots that I took when I was young and impressionable. How am I going to allow my doing mind focus on that to which I have just set it, rather than be befuddled by all the previous hundreds or thousands of psychological snapshots to which it has been paying attention before I've set my mind anew? And the answer is really simple. You don't need to worry about that. In the same way, as I said last week, you don't need to try to recreate yourself in some new image. You don't have to try to figure out why you've behaved in self-inhibiting and self-deprecating ways over the years. You don't have to figure out what happened to you in your childhood that has given you those impressions of yourself. You don't need to worry about any of that. And in the same way, you don't need to worry about whether your doing mind will do according to the new psychological snapshot you've given it as distinct from still being obsessed by the old psychological snapshots that used to run on before you started clearing your mind. Why do you not have to concern yourself with that? Because your doing brain will look after that for you once you do what it takes to put your thinking brain in neutral. Why or how? Well, first of all, meditation. You've, you know that you can't come on one of these episodes and not hear that word. Meditation activates the brain's attentional spotlight anyway. 
it's not just handwriting. Meditation does this and we can do it to ourselves deliberately every day when we meditate. More importantly, when we do do it to ourselves deliberately every day, over the course of only a few weeks, the brain's attentional spotlight begins to restructure itself. In doing so, the way in which the attentional spotlight coordinates the subcortical brain's key components, and the most important one of those is the hippocampus, means that the main components of the subcortical brain begin to communicate with themselves in an entirely novel way. And what neuroscience has discovered is that whereas the brain evolved to focus exclusively on threats, and that is why the attentional spotlight is turned off in the normal cut and thrust of everyday life, because it was designed to originally only focus on life-threatening situations. As a result of the restructuring of the brain through regular meditation, the subcortical brain's components and the way in which they newly communicate with each other begin to focus on opportunity as well. Now, focusing on opportunity means two things. It means, number one, I become aware of opportunity, and number two, I become a creator of opportunity. So now I've got a completely different way of operating as a result of the restructuring of the actual physical neural pathways in the attentional spotlight, the hippocampus, the insula, and the amygdala in the subcortical brain. That parks my thinking brain, and my thinking brain is the one that was most obsessed with the old psychological snapshots, because it was the old psychological snapshots that fed the everyday thoughts of my thinking brain. But now I've put that in idle, or I've put it in neutral. So now I'm in a situation where I just am. I am present in the moment, and because I've given my hippocampus my coordinates, like the heat-seeking missile that it is, that I mentioned earlier on, because it has its coordinates, and I simply am in the here and now, I know what's going on. I know if there are any threats. I also know if there are opportunities. I also know if there are the opportunities to create opportunities. I am also aware of how some opportunities are for me, in other words, they are synchronicities and other opportunities I should just let pass. But most importantly, as a result of knowing all of that, unimpeded by my thinking mind, I now know exactly what I need to do in this moment. And unimpeded by my thinking mind, I will just do it effortlessly rather than say to myself, oh, I don't think I could do that or I don't think I'd be up for that. Or sure, little old me wouldn't be able to do that. That's all gone out the window as a result of you being present. Now, here's the key word. Because when you are present, and I used the phrase a minute ago, you simply are. When I am present, when you are present, you have presence. And that makes you attractive. What do I mean when I use the word attractive in that context? Well, first of all, people with presence are good to be around, aren't they? You love hanging out with people who uplift you, don't you? You love hanging around with people who listen to you when you're talking, who are there for you, who make you feel like you're the only person with them in a crowded room. When you turn up to the here and now, 
you are present. And as a result of being present, you have presence. You become, if you like, charismatic. In other words, you become attractive. People want to hang around you. People want to be with you. And that is because this attraction is happening at an energetic level. Because once I park my thinking mind, once I slip it into neutral, my energy is freely available to me to go out into the universe, for starters, to those people around me, rather than the way in which energy normally moves around the body of the normal crazy person using their normal mind normally. Normally, because our thinking mind is engaged in 70,000 thoughts every day, the normal person's normal way of being will ensure that their energy doubles back in on themselves. None of it goes out into the world. And not only that, because they feel inadequate as a result of none of, none of it going out into the world, they look for other people's energy. They're the exact opposite of people who have presence. They are what my wife calls energy vampires. They'll suck you dry. But forget about them. We don't need to worry about them either. You are here. You are present. You have presence. You are attractive. You're attractive to other people. But because this is happening at an energetic level, you are attractive to the universe's own flow of energy. As a result of this interaction, and the interaction effectively is I'm giving out my energy now. I'm investing my energy in the reality of the universe in the here and now. I'm going to get a return on my energy. I'm going to be able to spot opportunity, create opportunity, notice synchronicity, and most importantly, of all, act. Act on the opportunity. Act on the opportunity to create opportunity. Act on the synchronicity. Just do it. Just do what I need to do to enable me get to where I want to go. Now, the thinking mind will never put any of the things that you really need to do on a to-do list because the thinking mind will only put on a to-do list the things that you think you need to do. And we know the value of the thinking mind in the context that we are now talking about achieving your life's objectives or goals or perfect moments or whatever you want to call them. You need to get up every morning and tune yourself in so that you are present first thing in the morning, so that you know what's going on, so that you know moment to moment what you need to do to attract into your life the opportunities and synchronicities that will enable you act in the right way at the right time effortlessly to move you to end up at the coordinates that you've already given to your subcortical mind as a result of handwriting what you want as if you already have it. All hangs together beautifully, doesn't it? It all hangs together in a way that calls you to action. If we go back to the start of this podcast and my slightly perfunctory reference to the book the law of attraction or the secret or whatever book a book that you shouldn't read by the way um about slapping a check for 30 million dollars on your fridge and it magically drops into your lap people have often said to me that's all i need to do and then i just need to wait for it to happen no so that would be like saying to yourself i've won the lottery i'm going to handwrite how i feel Right now, in the moment, I learn that I have won the lottery and not bothering to buy a lottery ticket. A guy or a girl has got to do what a guy or a girl 
has got to do. And that doing has to be done in real time. And the only time that is real is the time in which we are living our lives. And that is the here and now. So we need to be fleet-footed. We need to be agile. We need to be present, not some of the time. We need to be present and have presence as much as is humanly possible, perhaps nearly all of the time. And that means we need to engage our doing mind, our need to turn on our attentional spotlight every single morning. We need to sit down properly and meditate for eight minutes or so every single morning. And we need to mini meditate. We've You've heard me talking about that before during the course of the day to ensure that having awoken in the morning, you stay awake and alert and tuned in during the course of the day when you need it most. And then, as I suggested to you last week, you might actually do a proper sit down meditation again at the end of the working day to ensure that you're ready for perhaps some of the most important nows of the day with your nearest and dearest and your loved ones. This is a lifestyle change that I'm talking about. It's a lifestyle choice that you make moment to moment, now to now. It is a lifestyle choice that will change your life and lifestyle beyond recognition and more importantly, beyond anything that your thinking mind could ever imagine. One final point this episode. A number of people have asked me about that eight-minute morning meditation. When should I do it? Should I do it the minute I wake up? Can I do it lying on the bed? The answer to that one is no, because lying on the bed pretending to meditate is actually dozing. You need to sit up straight. You need to pull yourself together. We're talking about disciplining our mind. A little bodily discipline will do you the world of good as well, first thing in the morning. But what does first thing in the morning actually mean? Do I need to do it the minute I get out of bed? Because some people are still somnolent when they get out of bed, slow to wake in the morning physically. And if you're slow to physically wake in the morning, you don't want to be trying to turn your mind on against the tide of your body slowly wakening up. Should I do it before I get into the shower? Should I do it after I get out of the shower? Before my coffee? After my coffee? Should I do it at the same time every day? And the answer is no. You do it when the feeling takes you. Because it's all about feeling. You do it when it feels right. First thing in the morning. And by first thing in the morning, I mean that you have your sit-down proper meditation done and dusted before you find yourself in the way of being meddled with by normal crazy people. And I actually mean that phrase. I mean that phrase because normal crazy people will try to drag you into their dramas and drag you down to their level. And because there's so many of them around, the temptation to fall back into that way of non-living is great indeed. So when I say you need to do a proper sit-down meditation first thing in the morning, what I mean is you need to sit down and do eight minutes proper structured meditation before your day gets going, before normal crazy people start meddling with you. And after that, if you've started the day that way, you don't need to concern yourself with anything other than stopping every so often during the course of the day to mini-meditate. As I said, you don't need to concern yourself with anything else for the simple reason 
that in that present state of mind, with that presence, your doing mind will know exactly what you need to do moment to moment during the course of the day, and you will just and effortlessly do it. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-horton.com.